Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We restructured Entree Architect Academy to be more powerful, more accessible, and more affordable. Did you know that for only $27 per month, you can now gain unlimited access to more than $2,000 worth of resources, courses, and video archives, all built to help you build a better business, be a better leader, and live a happier life as a small firm architect. And we're adding more every month. Learn more about Entree Architect Academy at entrearchitect.com. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 172. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. And we're back with another episode of our podcast series, The Entrepreneur Architect, where I interview you, members of the Entree Architect community. I want to know your story. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your knowledge. We all have a story, a story about how we were inspired to pursue a career in this profession, a story about the people who influenced us along the way, a story about how we became entrepreneur architects. So this week at Entree Architect Podcast, I'm speaking with my good friend, Sharon George, entrepreneur architect. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. And I'm going to share more about these great companies and organizations later in the show. But as we get started here, just take a quick note to schedule some time this week to go visit each one of them and let them know that their support is appreciated by us, the Entree Architect community. Sharon George, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast, and I can't believe now I'm on it. Oh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. We, we met a few years ago. Um, I don't remember whether it was a CRAN event or it was at the um, the Missing 32%. Were you at the Missing 32% event? Mm-hmm. No, it was at Cran. It was at Cran. Uh, Cran okay. Charleston, yep. maybe. Yes. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, Cran Charleston. Yep. That is where we met, and uh, and we've been connecting online for a long time, uh, even longer than than the the, uh, the Charleston Cran event. So, um, thank you, thank you for uh, coming on the show here and sharing your story. Um, let me tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, Sharon is a sole proprietor and uh, the principal architect at Architecture by George, based in Austin, Texas. Uh, She has worked uh, with custom residential work for about 15 years, specializing in high-performance homes. Uh, And she serves on the advisory group for the the National Custom Residential Architects Network, which is CRAN, which is what we were just talking about, um, as the chair of the Emerging Professionals Committee. Uh, CRAN by far is my favorite event to attend every year. Um, I like going to the conference on architecture and I like going to some of these other smaller events. But for me, every year since Charleston, uh, Anne-Marie, my wife and I make it a point to, to hit CRAN. So thank you for your, your service with CRAN and for continuing to make CRAN such a, an exceptional uh, uh, an event. Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely a group effort. And, you know, being on the inside gives me a better appreciation of all the work that goes into it and all that we're trying to do. But we have a lot um, of good things in the pipeline. So uh, if you're not part of CRAN, definitely uh, look into it and attend the symposium. Yeah. Which is where it all happens. Miami this year? Right, right. Oh, it's going to be, be a good one. Very good. It's Miami in September 2017, if you're listening to this in the future. Um, hopefully, uh, if you're listening before September, look for registration and go check that out. Uh, definitely an event to attend if you're a residential architect. Uh, Sharon, so I, we shared a little bit about you and who you are and where, where, uh, what you're doing now. Let's talk about your origin story. Let's take a minute or two and, and go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, uh, and tell us that story, that journey from that point to where you find yourself today. Okay. Well, I grew up in India, and uh, um, I did not grow up around um, a lot of interesting architecture or had never met an architect, but um, at a very young age, I was really into and talented at drawing and my earliest memory is of my father taking me to an art competition and this was probably when I was four or five years old. So I grew up um, with uh, uh, knowing that I'm good at drawing and it was very much encouraged in my house. Um, 
but I also loved science and math. So, you know, when it was time for me to go to college, um, you know, I was looking to become a computer architect. Uh, I'm sorry, a computer engineer. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that's, that's where the future lies. And, you know, uh, there were a lot of engineers in my family. So that was the path of least resistance. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, without getting into a lot of detail about, um, you know, education system in India, um, w- we have a system similar to affirmative action here, um, which is a reservation system where there is a huge quota for people who are dis- disadvantaged and, um, you know, to give them a leg up. And un- unfortunately for me, I am considered a part of the forward cast, quote unquote. And so uh, the bar for me to get into an engineering college was very high. And even though I had really amazing grades and was a very good student, um, I didn't quite make the cutoff. Uh, And so I had to settle for a degree in mathematics, which was fun for about six months. And then, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm sitting in calculus class one morning listening to the professor talk about differential equations. And I just had this moment of clarity where I'm like, I don't belong here, (laughs) you know, just because I'm good at something does not mean that that's what I'm passionate about. And so um, ironically, that same day when I got home, uh, I had this um, letter of invitation in the mail from a new college that was um, opening up doing engineering uh, in, you know, other sciences. And so, you know, the next day, my Parents and I packed our bags and went to this college uh, near Bangalore in India. And uh, we were, it's a, it was a very small college, and we were on our way to the engineering department. And, uh, you know, I saw this big studio with a bunch of drafting tables. And so I was curious and just walked in. And uh, the head of the architecture department was having his studio class there. And he came up to me and my parents and we started talking and uh, I just looked around and I just, you know, knew that this is where I belong, you know, with kids drawing with their T-squares and, (laughs) you know, uh, and then I looked at my dad and he and I connected and knew (laughs) that this is where I belong. He knew too. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Because in fact, um, uh, you know, rewind a little bit. When I was looking at college applications, uh, my dad asked me, do you want to become an architect? And I was like, wait, what? Whatever makes you think that? <laughs> you know, but um, growing up, like when I was a teenager, I would sit and draw plans of my dream cottage house with a little vegetable garden and a cute kitchen and things like that. And I had never been exposed to house plans or architectural drawings of any sort. Um, I didn't know any architects. And so I had no idea about this profession and what, uh, you know, what, what the practice of architecture looks like. So it was a big leap of faith for me, you know, to make that decision in that moment. And of course, my mother, uh, she's so practical. She's like, uh, we don't know anything about this profession. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Don't you want to become a computer engineer? And to this day, my my mother gives me a hard time about that uh, and says, you should have become a computer architect. <laughs> because every time I, you know, say something about the struggles of being an architect, I could have become a computer engineer. 
Yeah. <laughs> my sister my sister is a computer engineer. My husband, her my sister's husband, my dad, it's a, just a family full of engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but but you know, it it was the best decision I I made, you know, cuz the 5 years I spent in architecture school was the best time of my life. Um, you know, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, and in fact, um, I moved from that college to another college. So I really spent six years in architecture school. And uh, the other college that I went to had to sit and sit for an entrance exam. And one of the one of the pieces of the exam was to um, uh, to sit for two to three hours and draw still life. So, you know, that you had to be able to draw it to get into that college. I, I don't know if that's still the case, uh, but I, I'm going to bet that it is. Yeah, I think there, there are a lot of architecture schools. My architecture school, we didn't have to sit and draw, but we had to submit a portfolio that that could show us show that we can that we are creative and that we could draw. It was a major requirement for us. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so, how did you get from India to Austin? You're in Austin now, so, so yeah. What, where where did that happen? Yeah, so um, I graduated from um, my architecture school in India, and I worked in India for a year. And in that in that time period, I applied to come to do a master's degree here because I wanted to pursue um, energy efficiency and learn more about green building. Uh, so I applied to several colleges here. Um, it, so just one um, interesting fact is when you graduate from architecture school in India, you're you know, by default, an architect. There is no licensure process, or you know, no no other hurdles to jump through. After that, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you get to practice right then. So I worked for a year at the same firm that I did my apprenticeship in. Um, so that's the other thing about architecture uh, schools in India is you have to do a six month internship um, while you're in school. So you get that real world experience. So you're and getting that, that transition from school to profession. Right, in your fourth year of college. Um, mm -hmm. And then in your fifth year, you're doing thesis in urban design. And, you know, uh, it's a really well-rounded educational experience. Yeah, yeah, maybe something that our, our profession here in the U.S. should be looking at. You know, mm -hmm. get, And they are, I mean, to an extent, they are. They're looking at new ways of, of uh, accelerating licensure. You know, there are some schools now that, that uh, have an an IDP or actually an AXP program built into their education and that they're coming out and being able to take the exam right out of school. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, um, so yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. So I applied to several universities and I picked the university of Texas at Austin because they had a specialization in design with climate and sustainable architecture. So I came to Austin and, um, was a uh, part of the first ever solar decathlon competition um, back in 2001, 2000, yeah. Um, and that was an incredible experience. And then when I graduated, I wanted to work for a local firm that did high-performance um, high-end homes. And so that's, that's how my practice in architecture started. So you started working for another firm that that did the work that you wanted to do? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when did you start your own firm, Architecture by George? Last year. Okay. 
So it's a pretty young firm. Yeah, yeah, that's I good. Started last January. Yeah, that's exciting. So, so other than the, actually, one other question about the transition from India to the U.S. When you when you came to the U.S., did you have to go through a whole new licensure process, or was your license from India, or there was no license from India? But was there some sort of reciprocation, or did you have to go through the full process again? Well, interestingly, um, <laughs> my education from India does not even transfer oh. here. So when I sat for my licensing for the ARE, um, uh, so, a couple of things. So when, when I was practicing, like as soon as I started working, I you know enrolled in the IDP, and after that three-year IDP, I was ready to take the ARE. And then I realized, well, I'm not eligible to sit for the ARE because my five-year education does not transfer. And uh, my master's degree did not, you know, count for all the education requirements. So I had to work for eight years oh. and gain that experience before I could take the ARE, which was such a, so crushing. Yeah. Oh, that's painful <laughs> um, to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that was a, a, a big realization for me that, you know, Things are not the same, and <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was a big process. Yeah, well, I mean, that certainly is one huge goal that you accomplished. You know, going through that process and and uh, and getting your license here in the U.S. and starting your own practice. Other than those goals, do you have one specific goal that you've that you've focused on and and as and have uh, achieved? And what's the process that you went through to achieve that goal? Well, so to be honest, I'm not big on goal setting and I've heard you talk about goal setting and a lot of people talk about goal setting and so that's something that I'm consciously working on but when I look back and think about all the different things that have brought me to this place it's always been you know I just kind of go along and if something feels good I do it and if it doesn't feel good then I do something else. So, you know, like I've never wanted to start my own firm. It's just something that's come out of, you know, several realizations along the way. Um, getting a license was definitely a big, big goal. Um, and, you know, starting my own firm was not so much of a goal, but, um, you know, once I realized that that's, that should be my path, then it became a goal. And, you know, like preparing for that was how I, you know, Found you and uh, um, Enoch Sears, who does business of architecture, yes, yep. and you know both of you. You have been incredible resources and inspiration for me uh, to have the the gall to just start on my own. That's great to hear. I, I when you when you share that, that's exactly why I continue doing what I do. That that the information that we're sharing here is helping other people uh, achieve their goals. Um, yeah. So, you so know, and you. go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so I've always been uh, part of firms that where the principal architects are very business savvy. So I, I knew that you have you, you need more than just to be a good architect to have a successful business or even a sustainable business. Uh, but, you know, I never really knew all the nuances of it. And so the past couple of years have been this um, personal journey for me to, you know, um, you know, just just like 
with architecture, you can spend years learning about the craft and all the details and go into several rabbit holes. And it's the same with business. And, yeah, no doubt. You know, people spend years on it and the learning never stops. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. You already know all about RCAT and their free BIM objects and their CAD details and their specifications and product information, all free, ready for you to use. Well, today I want to share something new from RCAT. It's called Charette. Charette is a tool for sharing and collaborating with your colleagues and clients online in real time. You can upload photos and files, share specs and product information directly from the RCAT database, as well as from other sources on the internet. I've been playing with Charette in beta for a while now, and it's really cool. And now it's available to you. I encourage you to go check it out. Visit RCAT online and click the Charette icon right there on the homepage. And like everything offered at RCAT, Charette is a free tool for us small firm architects too. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team by project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com freshbooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects. BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today 
at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So, so you had mentioned that having your own firm isn't necessarily wasn't necessarily a goal. So, tell that tell that if you're willing to tell that story about why why did you start your own firm? What was the the trigger for that? Well, so I had worked um, for almost fifteen years in other firms, and you know, um, kept learning a lot, and you know, my growth was kind of this steep. Uh, line on the graph and I thrive on that and after I guess 15 years of working in the same you know um, niche and um, you know working on the same people you kind of plateau after some time and I hit that point and it was also around the time when I, I had had both my kids and my kids were little and slowly I started realizing that um, you know an architect as an employee, uh, that model is not very sustainable, you know, because you get minimum vacation and, uh, you know, it's, it, it just didn't seem that I could do that for another 20 or 30 years and be happy and fulfilled. And so, you know, uh, I slowly came to the realization that maybe I should start my own firm and, um, go in, do a deep dive into something that I'm totally not comfortable with or did not have plans for. But it seemed more and more clear that that's, that's what I should do. And so you were, you were looking for freedom and flexibility and, and more opportunity? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So many entrepreneur architects start that way, you know, that they, they reach that plateau they get they start a little bit of frustration with the position that they're in and maybe the firm they're working for and say, oh, I could do this better myself or I want more freedom or I want more flexibility. And the only way we're going to get that is to start my own firm. And mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to do exactly what you said you're doing is uh, is you need to dive deep and learn what we don't know. You know, we're, we're not trained as business people. Um, mm -hmm. And so the fact that you went through the process of, of learning what you need to learn and 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 jumping off the cliff on to, you know to start your own firm uh, is a big is a big challenge um and certainly a, a big goal to to do that uh so thanks for sharing that was was there a specific struggle that you went through maybe there or anywhere else in your career uh that you overcame so share share a story about a, a struggle you may have had and how you overcame a struggle um do, do you mean with launching my firm or with, just with, in general yeah, I, whatever, whatever, you know, struggle that comes to mind, just to sort of share that, it, you know, it's not all so, but it's not all, you know, always butterflies and fairy tales. It's, it's hard to do what we're doing, right? And so uh, what are some of the things that, that you had to overcome in order to, to get to where you are? Well, I mean, um, you know, starting my own firm, uh, you know, I kind of knew going in that it, there, there's going to be a struggle uh, you know, because you're, you're basically launching a startup and it's like having another newborn baby where you, you're you dedicating all your time and resources to nurturing this baby and getting it to a point where it's got a life of its own and, 
you know, that it's, it's thriving. Uh, and so, you know, it's not so much that I got into it to work only 20 hours a week, but uh, certainly I'm working more now right. <laughs> than I yeah. was as an employee. Uh, but, uh, also going through this journey of, you know, just shedding my employee skin and getting into um, a business owner skin, you know, and going through that transformation, uh, I make decisions from a very different place now and my time has a different meaning to me now. Uh, so it, it has definitely been a lot of work, um, in terms of struggles, a lot of work with my own uh, mindset, yeah. you know, because when I was growing up, um, I, I had this notion, you know, just from conversations happening around me that uh, people who are smart, who, you know, who are smart and you know, who are brainy, don't do business. <laughs> I don't know where I got this idea. Oh, and the other thing was you have to be ruthless to be successful at business to very uh, you know almost myths right I yeah. mean I know that now but that was a big hurdle for me to jump through so a lot of my work has been on my own self and my own attitudes um, to you know set me up for success in to come from a place of power not not of a place of um, vulnerability um, I don't know if that's yeah. making sense yeah, it totally makes sense. Was it was there was there also a was there a, a specific point in your career uh, where you had where, where sort of your mind mindset shifted a little bit, an aha moment maybe uh, that sort of um, changed the way you're doing things, or actually led you to other things? Yes. Um, so interestingly, uh, I mean, I know this is a book that everybody talks about, the Emit Architect. Yep. Uh, right. You've talked about it several times. And I, in fact, met Norbert last year and he gave me a copy of his book. And I, I read the book. Well, I read the first half of the book and I was totally dejected. He, he's so <laughs> brutally honest in the yeah. book and talks about all the struggles of his architectural practice. And, you know, I, I knew it. I knew that's the reality because I had worked in arch small architectural practices for 15 years and, you know, I knew there are limitations and, you know, that's why we have minimum vacation. And, you know, here I'm, so here I am with friends who have five and six weeks of vacation who work for large corporations and, you know, they have a lot of freedom and flexibility versus architecture firms. Um, the business model is such that, your time is 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 the money. It's where the money is, right? So naturally, people are uh, tight on. They have a tight leash on your time. And so, you know, this big aha moment for me was that um, the business model of architectural, the traditional architectural service uh, profession, is is broken. I mean, I don't I don't have I haven't figured out what the the silver bullet solution is uh m maybe you do <laughs> maybe you know we're, we're all working <laughs> on that <laughs> but you know I, I i i love architecture i love practicing architecture but i feel like the model is broken and so um uh, so i finally finished uh the emit architect book and you know towards the end it's a little more optimistic <laughs> so i definitely encourage you reading that but um you know 
this idea of separating your time from your value is, is something that I think is lost on a lot of uh, you know service-based professionals in general. Uh, so uh, you know, qu quite parallel to all this discovery ha was this um, passion project that I started, where I teach kids in elementary school architecture, mm -hmm. uh, and I do it through an after-school program, and that's been incredibly fun and fulfilling, and and a really amazing creative outlet for me to work with kids. Um, I mean, I have two little kids. My daughter is in first grade and my son is in preschool. And, you know, we do architecture projects and, and draw over the weekend and stuff. But now I'm actually doing it with other kids. And uh, it's amazing to me that there are so many kids who are really into drawing and building and, um, you know, doing things. And, um, it seems to me that you know the younger they are, the more, the the more uh, they are into that. And then as they get older, it's either other passions take take the place of it, or that creativity is stifled, and so they pursue other things. Because I have a lot of kindergartners and first graders in my class, more so than fifth graders. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a you know good sample set, but uh, that's my conclusion. So I'm, I'm hoping that in me going and teaching architecture to these kids and doing projects with them, um, you know, helps them carry that creativity through their life. I mean, if I, if, if I had some kind of a, um, an outlet like that when I was a kid, you know, I might be in a different place. Um, <laughs> who knows? You know, instead of discouraging people from pursuing their passions, you know, you encourage them and give them the uh, that stepping stone, right? So that has been an incredible um, discovery for me. Uh, but also, you know, looking at uh, this kids' education, that's a that's a very rich market, you know, uh, especially now with people working all the time and they want kids to be engaged in enriching activities after school, it's a huge market. Um, and when I look at the other after school programs that uh, that are offered in different schools, they're so uh, uh, competitively priced. And if I were to charge my hourly rate for this class, you know, I, you know, it would be out, out, outside that market. Yeah. So it's clearly, um, you know, the business model and how you leverage other people's time or um, how you can scale it. And so this is where the entrepreneurial aspect of that that passion project uh, excites me is, um, you know, I can see myself really and I don't I haven't got all the answers. I'm still in, in the weeds of trying to figure it out. But ideally, I have it to a point where I have an established curriculum that I can um, either, you know, um, create a franchise model out of it or just hire people who, who are not necessarily architects but who can deliver a, a curriculum in a structured format. Uh, but I've had a lot of interest in, in the class uh, just from the people in the school and uh, I've had people from Indonesia and Japan email me about that program asking me if... Uh, there's a way for me to transfer 
the information to them so that they can teach their kids. Uh, I mean, these are not architects who they're yeah. they're just yeah. people, parents who see their kids, you know, playing with cardboard boxes and drawing, and they want them to explore that interest, but don't have a way to. Uh, so you know, that's that's um, kind of a side business that I feel has a lot of potential. That I and and it's interesting because it's so outside the traditional architectural practice. Uh, so, yeah, I've had uh, I've been learning quite a bit about business models and and just going outside my architecture bubble and learning about how other people do business and other industries uh, approach business and how they um, tap into that entrepreneurial spirit. That that is a great story and and very very inspiring. I I, I could see that there is tremendous opportunity in that market. Um, not only in you know teaching in live classrooms, but you could bring that online and create curriculum that that teachers can download and, and you know pay for and download. Parents can you know can can download. You can have mm-hmm. uh, courses that you know that that uh, you know, kids can watch and have access to courses about architecture and different different programs that they can download. Um, if you brought that online, it would be infinitely scalable. It would be very interesting right. business to uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love- and, you know, it's, it's not a new idea at yeah. all. It's not such a novel idea to be able to share your interests and passion with kids. Um, I mean, a lot of people do it as a volunteer activity. And I know um, I've come across, in my personal research, I've come across several programs that uh, they probably started and it, kind of tapered off because I don't know why, but I can see like now that my own architecture practice has picked up steam and I have projects and, you know, my time is um, more, uh, uh, makes me more money when I'm doing architecture rather than teaching, I can see how that taper happens, but it would be easy for me to just give up on this passion project and just concentrate on you know, income producing work, but uh, that would be a shame, I feel, yeah. if I just let that drop off. Are you seeing any influence um, from one to the other? Are you seeing any sort of influence in, in you on your architecture and your practice because you're working with kids and vice versa? Are you, obviously, you're bringing the architecture that you're doing in your practice and teaching that to the, to the kids, but are you seeing that in reverse? Are you seeing any sort of influence that the kids and your, your work with them is having on the work that you're doing as an architect? Well, I think it's more um, on a very uh, subliminal level yeah. uh, because, you know, because I do custom residential work, it's it's such a small niche and, um, you know, it's easy for me to just stay in that small bubble and, um, and especially with running a business, there's so much uh, other stuff that demands my attention and my energy that I could easily forget about everything that's happening, you know, in the architectural world in general. But, um, you know, talking about architecture to kids and thinking about, okay, what projects are going on around the world that is cutting edge or I can't, like one of my, uh, well, in the spring session I'm doing a my theme is iconic architecture. So I'm looking at buildings from around the world, new or ancient or, you know, uh, really cutting edge and talking to kids about what makes it iconic. And so I am forcing myself to learn about, you know, 
things that you do just for fun. Like when you were in college, you probably went and looked at, um, you know, uh, all the architecture that's happening around in the world because it's fun. So I get to do that in, you know, I'm sh some of that influences my practice. For yeah, sure. yeah, it certainly would uh, influence who you are as an architect and the knowledge that you're seeking for these students to actually, uh, you know, you're gaining that knowledge yourself. Certainly mm -hmm. uh, influencing both ways. Um, so yeah, and go ahead. So, sorry. Well, so the other thing I, I enjoy is that now, you know, the, the parents of all the kids, they're learning a lot about architecture because I post pictures of what we worked on in class. I do a little blurb about it, um, uh, about the building. And, you know, I feel like there's a general um, dissipation of architectural knowledge in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, you also may I find that you may start getting referrals through that, through that network that you're building with that class. Because when my kids, my kids are older now, they're, my oldest is 15, my youngest is nine. But all three, when my kids were in nursery school, we had two or three projects a year from the network that we built through the nursery school, just from, from knowing who, that we are architects and who we are. When those people who were in our neighborhood were doing work, they were calling mm -hmm. us. Um, mm -hmm. And so you may find a similar thing happen with the work that you're doing, that you will be the architect that those people know. Um, mm -hmm. And, and they will, they'll hire you and they'll refer you to other people. It'll be interesting to see that happen. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, the kids sometimes, uh, you know, when new kids come on, they're like, wait, you're a real architect? Are you a real architect? And one kid asked me, are you famous? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> You should say hey, yes. It's a, a relative word. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, Sharon, let's get into some quick questions now. We'll do our lightning round. A few questions that every architect here that comes on the Entrepreneur Architect series answers. Uh, at what age did you decide to become an architect? Um, 17. And uh, what is your target market? So I do uh, custom homes for um, young families who are outgrowing their current home uh, and they want to either add on or build a new house, their new family home. And you're focused mostly on high performance homes? Yes. Uh, so that's what my background and my that's where my expertise lies. Um, but you know, I'm finding that uh, there's a big uh, chunk of educational marketing involved in that, um, you know, especially how do you make it, um, you know, in something that they're interested in, because high performance is really a word uh, uh, seems like that professionals use, but not many homeowners know what that means. They know what green and energy efficiency is, but um, that's also a very skewed perspective perspective so right right um other than architecture what makes you happy um i like to travel um i like to draw and paint and swim and go camping with my kids and uh yeah just hang out with my family and do all these uh, activities. uh what's the best advice you ever received um, this would be probably, um, what my mom said to me when I was growing up, 
that uh, um, you're a girl. <laughs> I have one for you. Um, so you have to invest in your own education, and uh, that's pretty much the only thing that nobody can take away from you. So invest in your in yourself, and that's been something that um, I found, you know, that I truly believe in too. So that was really good advice. Okay. Because that's really carried me through. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's uh, one personal habit or daily routine that contributes to your success? Um, well, I, I don't know if it, it's success really, but it really helps uh, ground me, uh, which is to have uh, some quiet time and uh, use that time for interaction. Um, you know, and not just get into the hustle and bustle of every day, but to, so I, I spend my morning having my coffee and, you know, thinking about things and that helps me. Uh, what's one recommended app or internet resource? Um, Entree Architect is a great <laughs> resource. <laughs> I'm going to have to take that one off the list soon because everybody's using that. Do you have a, Do you have another one? Do you have any other apps or internet um, So I recently started using uh, QuickBooks Self-Employed on okay. um, as an app on my phone, yeah. and that's really been helpful to um, you know document my mileage and my expenses and take some of that noodliness out of my life. Okay, uh, what's a recommended book and why? I've read a couple of books that have been very helpful. One is uh, called Brand Identity Breakthrough by Gregory Dale. And another one is called Badass Your Brand by Pia Silva. And I would highly recommend both those books. Okay, I like them. I haven't read either, so that's a good one. We'll put those on the list. Uh, what is uh, one thing that an entrepreneur architect can do t today to help build a better business for tomorrow. So that the intent of that is something that they can they can implement in a relatively short amount of time and see some relatively short uh, return at the other end. Um, so I would say um, to put yourself out there, to share your value in your own way. Uh, because you know, with, with all the, apps and social media platforms that are out there, it's so easy for us to, um, you know, promote ourselves and to share with people what we are up to day to day. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says, you don't have to create content, just document what you do. Like if you're working on a schematic design, just take a picture and post it online. And, or if on CAD drawings or if you're in a meeting just document whatever it is you're doing and that's how you can share what we do as architects and you know demystify and create that value of what we do that's great advice that's great advice so let's uh, let's let's wrap things up with one parting piece of guidance for other entrepreneur architects uh, and how best to contact you what is the best way to for if somebody's listening and they want to connect with you to to uh, say thank you or to uh, get some more information on some of the things that you shared today, what's the best way to connect with you uh, after you give us sort of a parting piece of guidance? Um, my piece of guidance would be um, to learn about 
business. Because uh, that's been a huge revelation for me is, uh, you know, when when you understand um, how the business world works, you can strategize better and not just implement tactics that are more short-sighted and, uh, you know, more uh, reactive, but rather to take a proactive approach with uh, your business and, um, you know, and to have a different have a mindset shift about marketing and business in general. That that's been my huge, um, you know, transformation over the last couple of years is to really understand what, what this is all about. That's great. great and I, I great certainly guidance. don't know know everything, but I just know that I've, you know, scratched enough of the surface to know that there's quite a lot of rabbit holes to go <laughs> go into yeah no doubt about it you know uh, we just we need to start at the basics and then as we know once we we understand the foundation of business then we can start building a strong business on top of that that's uh that's great some great guidance so so uh if somebody wants to connect with you how best to connect with you either website or email or social media it's uh, sharon at architecturebygeorge.com got it uh my website is architecturebygeorge.com and on social media, I've tried to limit myself to Facebook. Uh, so that's where you'll find me. You'll find me in the Entree Architect Facebook group. So connect with me there. All right. And you're doing, I'd love to hear from you. And you're doing, uh, you have a Facebook um, page and you're doing some Facebook Live there as well, right? So people can connect with you. I am. I, yes, absolutely. I invite you to come check out my architecture by george facebook page and i also have a, a facebook page for the kids program and that's archi kids um a-r-c-h-i-k-i-d-s um you can find uh find that page and i post pictures of what we've been up to and all the projects that the kids have worked on all right you might we'll find that interesting we'll have links to all of that on the show notes this is episode 172 so people can go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 172, and we'll have links to all of that. Sharon, thank you very much for joining me here today and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. And I look forward to meeting you again at the Crayon Symposium, maybe. I'll be there. If you like what we shared here today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 172. And if you want to be a guest here at Entree Architect Podcast as a featured entrepreneur architect, connect with us anywhere on social media or send an email request to podcast at entrearchitect.com. We want to help you share your story. And don't forget to visit the website to learn more about Entree Architect Academy, our private online membership program built for you, the small firm Entrepreneur Architect. It's now more affordable, more accessible, and more powerful than ever. You can build a better business, and we're going to show you how. Visit the homepage today at EntreeArchitect.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an Entrepreneur Architect, and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.